Well, hey, good morning, Brookside. How are you today? Are you all right? It's good to see you. It's great to be together this morning. I do want to say if you're a guest here with us, as Rob said, welcome to you. We're uh, especially uh, glad that you're here this morning. do hope to get to meet you at our 10-minute uh, party this morning. Uh, I wanted to tell you, as Emma mentioned in that series, uh, today, you know, we're finishing up our series called Front and Center, and so excited to be doing that with you. But then, yeah, really looking forward to our next series, Best News Ever. And uh, we're, we're going to be going through the book of Luke, uh, much of that book together. And uh, so really looking forward to next weekend uh, as, we, as we launch uh, into that new series. Well, before we dive in today, what I would love to do with you is just to go to the Lord just very, uh, with hearts that are very expectant. And let's just say, Lord, we want to hear from you this morning. Uh, I was in a conversation with somebody just this last week, and, and this person said to me, they said, there seems to be a hunger for God in this place. So they were new to worshiping here. And, and um, I just thought to myself, oh, that's what we're aiming for, right? I mean, we're aiming for when we gather together that there's this, there's this energy, there's this hunger for God, there's this expectation Lord, would you meet with us? You're a living God, and we're your people, and so, God, we want more of you. And so, with that in mind, would you just pray with me, and let's just say, Lord, would you speak to us today? So, yeah, pray, pray with me now. Lord, we want to declare this morning, first and foremost, maybe we haven't even done this yet today, we want to just say this together to you, Lord, right now. We want to say, Lord, you are God, and we are not. Lord, you are God, and we are not. Lord, you are faithful. Lord, you are good. Lord, you are Lord, you are full of grace. Lord, you are full of mercy. Lord, by your goodness, you call us to things that are beyond us, and we're grateful for that. Lord, I pray for the person that's here this morning, and they're exploring who you are. They're trying to figure out who you are and what it means to know you. God, I pray that today they would meet you in this place. Lord, I pray for the person that's here today, and they're hurting, or maybe they're facing a challenge that seems completely overwhelming. Father, I pray that you would just whisper into their ear this morning, and you would remind them that you see them, that you know who they are that you have them even. And Lord, for the rest of us, God, we just want to all just lay ourselves before you and just say to you this morning, Lord, we anticipate that you'll do a good work and we long for that to be true. And so, Lord, we ask that we would hear from you, not from Jeff, but we'd hear straight from you this morning, Lord. And so we pray this together in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, the title of this series that we're finishing up today, as you know, is Front and Center. And what we've been saying throughout this series that's really launched us into the fall semester is this. We've been saying, okay, when, when you think about all the things that go through your mind, all the different post-it notes, all the different things that you've got going on in the midst of a week and a month and a year, we've been saying, what are the things that should rise to the top? Like if you were to get to the end of 2018, by the way, just four months away, and you were to be able to look back on this year and go, you know what, at least for those last four months of this year, I gave myself to the things that were of most importance. And so we've been driving to that question saying, of all the things that we've got going on in my life, our lives, what should be front and center? What should rise to the top? And so in week one, we said this. I want to just recap these weeks for you real quickly. In week one, we looked at this passage of scripture from John chapter 3, and we saw that this man, this guy referred to as John the Baptist, he made such a defining statement. He was talking to those that were his followers, and, and he looked them right in the eye, and he said to them four very powerful words. He said this, he said, Jesus, he must become greater. And that this really became a foundation for us for the entire series, but even much beyond that, I think a real foundation and even a rally cry for us in the months to come. But John the Baptist was getting some pressure by his followers, and they were saying, hey, Jesus is actually becoming greater. His influence is growing and growing. And John the Baptist said, no, no, time out. It is the most wise thing that in my life, in your life, in our lives, Jesus must become greater. It wasn't an opinion. It wasn't, I think he should. It wasn't a suggestion. 
He was saying, no, no, Jesus must become greater. And so we asked the question then, if Jesus became greater in the everyday things of your life and in my life, what kind of impact would it have? What would that look like? And we too then, we said this, that the people that you choose to put in your life have a direct impact on where you're going. So choose well, because who you choose determines where you're going to go. And so we really, that morning, we pushed people to get into to small groups because we really believe in them. 160 of you got into a small group. We love that, love that. And then we looked at Jonathan and David and we talked about friendship. And, and we said this, we said that true friendship is built on commitment, not convenience. We said that a true friendship is full of transparency and it's also full of honesty. And then lastly, we said that a true friendship, it's built on this common purpose, but also these shared values. That's what true friendships are built on. And then we got to last weekend, and Tim took us through very well, through 1 Timothy chapter 4, and we looked at this verse in, in 1 Timothy 4, and we talked about, well, what does it mean to train ourselves then to be godly? Like, shouldn't that be front and center? This idea that there's these everyday activities that lead us to the place where Jesus becomes greater. And so we went through this verse for physical training. It's of, of some value. We know that to be true. But godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. And we said, what does it mean to train to be godly, and why is that so important? Why does that become a daily thing for us? So that's where we've been. This morning, what we're going to talk about is really coming out of what we talked about in week one. If week one happens, if we say in our hearts as a church, Jesus Christ, would you become greater? Would you become greater in this impact of my life, in this part of my life, in this part of my life? If Jesus, you would become greater in all the parts, what we're going to see this morning would be the direct outflow of that. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever forgotten to do something that you planned to do, and then when you realized that you had forgotten to do it, it really bothered you? We've been doing a lot of house projects at our house the last year or so, and it seems like every time I go to Menards for another supplies trip, I get home and get back into the project, and I realize that I forgot to put something on my list. And so I say to the kids, hey, we got to go back. And they're like, ah, oh, it's like our second home. No, we don't want to go back, but we just have to go back because I forgot. Let me ask you this. Have you ever forgotten an important birthday or an anniversary? You don't have to hit the person next to you, right? Have you anybody ever done that? Let's take it up a notch. I have a pastor friend who forgot about a wedding that he was officiating. And he left not just town, he left the state with his family on vacation. Wedding day comes, no pastor. Now, brides, I just want to assure you, don't be nervous. We would never do that to you here at Brookside. <laughs> oh, God Almighty, help us, right? Tim and I were talking about that. Wouldn't that be horrible? Um, but what, what about this one? Parents, have you ever forgotten a child? Have you ever forgotten a child? You know, you got into the car and the car seemed plenty loud and plenty full. And so you just took off. And then you got to your destination and, and you actually realized, and this really builds the confidence of, of your love for your children in their minds. But, and then you realize when you got there, wow, we're missing one, maybe even two, right? Has that ever happened to you? On a much serious, serious note, more serious note, a couple of years ago, I was on one of our family missions trips with some of you, and, and when I came back to the meeting room uh, for the night where we were going to be gathered, I, it was evident that there was something wrong. There were all these people that were gathered around this little child, maybe one, years old, one year old, and, and, and the child's dad had arrived at the church, and he was really in charge that night, and so he got right into the building and got to work, and, and on the way there, his baby had fallen asleep. 
Well, when his wife then showed up to the church, she said, where's our baby? And in a fury of just terror, he runs out to the car. It was extremely hot that day. And he finds this baby soaked in sweat and just crying, but completely okay, thank God. But the weight of forgetting, oh, you should have seen that guy the rest of the night. You could just see it in his eyes. It rocked him. It's true, isn't it? It's one thing to forget to do something, to forget to go get something, but it's a completely different thing to actually forget about someone. Look through the scriptures and you explore the heart of God. If you look at the pattern, really, of Jesus' life, what we see over and over again, we see numerous reminders. It's as though Jesus knew, hey, you're prone to forget about this. Well, you gotta, you got to really work to keep this one front and center, that there are certain people that if you're not careful, you'll forget about them. Because you're busy, or because maybe they're different from you, or maybe because if you were to remember them, it would actually cost you something. We're going to see from the scriptures this morning, though, is that these people matter to God. And because they matter to God, as you and I say, Jesus, would you become greater? Jesus, we want to value what you value. They're going to become very important to us. They matter to God, and so they're going to matter to us. So the first passage that I want us to look at, you can turn there now, it's Matthew, or sorry, Mark chapter 10. Mark 10, we're going to start in verse 46, and I want you to see some of the patterns in the life of Jesus Christ this morning. It says this, it says, then they came to Jericho, and uh, Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, they were leaving the city, and a blind man, Bartimaeus, uh, which means the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. So picture that scene. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, the presence of a, of a beggar outside the city gates, that would have been very common in, in, their, in their culture, in, in this particular city even. And so, the, so they called to the blind man, or, or sorry, let me look at verse 48. It says, many rebuked him, so he's calling out. Many rebuked him, and they told him, hey, be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and he said, call him. In other words, I see him. I'm not willing to forget about him. I want to be with him. And so they called to the blind man. They said, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. In other words, we're not feeling it, but Jesus obviously is. So come on, come with us. And it says, verse 50, throwing his cloak aside, probably one of his very own, very few possessions, he jumped up to his feet and he came to Jesus. Think about the joy. When someone is un, who is unseen gets seen, the joy that comes from that. Verse 51, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Verse 52, go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus along the road. Jesus saw those who others would forget. We see this in multiple passages throughout the scriptures, that there was an awareness that Jesus lived with, that there are certain people that as you go through life and as I go through life, they are going to be unseen. In John chapter 4, we see this. Jesus goes up to this woman. It's the story of the woman at the well. Now, this woman would have been a woman in their society that would have been on the bottom rung for sure because of the choices that she made, and particularly there with Jesus that day, different, different ethnicities. And Jesus could have just ignored her, but we know this. This woman was struggling, and Jesus knew that she was struggling. Jesus knew that she was far from God. 
She was making relationships decision, relationship decisions that were driving her from the heart of God. Yet Jesus knew that there was a God who knew her and that loved her and that it was him. And so what did he do? He engaged in conversation with her and ultimately led her and others to himself. Mark chapter 9. We see Jesus. He's calling one of his followers to him, one of his disciples, one of his key guys. And it's not the, the, maybe the scene that we would think, that it would be just the nice and tidy religious person. No, instead, it was the guy sitting at the tax collector's booth. He's calling Matthew to himself. And in that position as a, a tax collector in Rome, that was not a favorable group. That group did not have a good reputation. But what does Jesus do? He enters right into it. And it's as though Jesus, as he calls Matthew, it's as though he's making a statement. I came to see these kind of people. And he even says it that way. He's saying to them, hey, I'm actually going to call a man like this to something great. I am going to be the kind of person that I'm not going to forget this person, but I'm actually going to use them in a significant way. Keep going through the scriptures, Mark chapter 10. We've got all these parents, and they're bringing their kids to, to Jesus. And they're saying, Jesus, we want you to see our kids. We want you to bless our kids. Maybe there were some struggling parents, and they were like, we don't know what's in Johnny, but just Lord He's naughty, cast it out, right? Whatever it is. But they were, so they were bringing the kids. But in the midst of all that, boom, the disciples are, they, they, man, they kind of reared up and they said, no, 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 they're a distraction. Get the little kids out of here. And I love the text. It is so powerful. Jesus says this very powerful word. It says about Jesus, rather. It says that Jesus was indignant. He was furious. And he said, no, 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 you let these little children come to me. Regardless of where the status of our society puts kids, no, 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 you bring them to me. I want you to know today, he was saying, I see them. It was his pattern. He looked at people who were far from him, and he embraced them. He looked at people who needed a touch from God, that woman at the well. I mean, she was deeply struggling in her sin, and Jesus, he, he wasn't mad at her, but he wanted to draw her out of that. He felt for her. Jesus embraced the person who needed a touch from God. And it made me ask the question, and it's a question that I want you to ask this morning. Maybe jot this down. You could simply ask this question throughout the week, and I think it would have an, a profound impact on our lives. If Jesus were me, who would he see? Imagine if you asked that question. Okay, if Jesus were me in my school, in my work, in my church, in my community, who would he see? If Jesus were in my shoes, if he walked into my home, if he walked into my neighborhood, who would he see? If Jesus were me, who would he see? In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus, I think he takes it up a notch on this whole thing. And instead of just modeling it, in Matthew 25, we see actually Jesus is going to talk about it very practically. It's as though he said, okay, I showed you, I showed you, I showed you, now I'm going to tell you. I'm going to teach you right on this. Matthew 25, and honestly, there's a lot going on in this passage. He's looking ahead at the end of time, and he's teaching, though, this point, and very explicitly about, we see the pattern that he lived, the heart of God. And what I want to do in this passage is I want to draw you to what were the things that at a very pivotal time, as he's talking about the end of times, what are the values that Jesus was talking about? What does he want us to not forget? Pick up with me in verse 31. It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. So imagine that. This is the end of time. And all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people from one another as a sheep 
separates, as a, sorry, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Now, think about this. Of all the things that Jesus could mention next, signs pointing to people who lived out genuine faith, watch what Jesus mentions. He says, for I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. You saw me. Verse 37, then the righteous will answer, Lord, well, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty or give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger? And when did we invite you in or needing clothes? And we clothed you. Verse 39, when did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? They, it's like they can't recall the times. And then the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brother, brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Verse 41, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me and I needed clothes, you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. You forgot about me, the one that was hungry, the stranger, the one needing clothes, clothes, the one who was behind bars. You forgot about me. And they will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry? When did we see you thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these you did not do for me. And then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Think about this, church, front and center. Who does God want us to see? Who does God want us to see? If Jesus were me, who would he see? If Jesus were me, who would he notice? My mom is a, just a great example of this for our family. Uh, we see my parents probably four or five times a year. They're over in eastern Iowa. They're, they're Iowa fans. Tough, tough childhood, I know. Wounds of my past, you know. Sorry. Some of you are like, woo-hoo. You're like, whoa, now you're mad at me. All right, no, sorry. Um, but here's the thing. Every time we're with my parents, my mom gets a phone call, maybe multiple phone calls, from a gal named Frone. And here's the thing. Frone is an elderly woman. She doesn't have any husband. She doesn't have any kids, but they have this arrangement where they check in with each other twice a day. And so every day you can count on, where's mom? Oh, she's calling Frone. Or who, who's calling? Why is the phone ringing? Oh, it's, it's Frone. And I feel like I've gotten to know Frone, even though I've never met Frone, and I have no idea how my mom met Frone either. But here's what I do know. Frone has needs, and she has someone in her life who will not forget her. Frone has needs. And what I also know about Frone is this. Frone knows something about my mom's God because she's not forgotten. Frone just needs someone to notice her, to see her, to make sure that there's nothing wrong, just to check in on her. If Jesus were you right now in this moment, who would he see? Who might you not notice, but if you said, if Jesus were me, who would he see? Whose eyes might he open you up to? 
Could it be a person far from God? Could it be like the woman at the well? Could it be a person maybe at the store, but you see them all the time? It's the cashier. What if you got to know them? Could it be the student? I mean, students, imagine this. You all know the student in your class or in, you know, in your grade that they just are kind of the outcast. You could literally change their life if you would just see them. If you would simply ask the question, if Jesus were me, who would he want me to see? It would change them. Who in my neighborhood? Who, who's the coworker maybe that you have that honestly, they just drive everybody crazy. They come in and they always got a new problem. But what if you saw them? And what if you began to say, Jesus, how would you have me even respond to them? Jesus put it this way. He said, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. By this, all people are going to know that you're my followers if, big statement there, John 13, if you love one another, if you want people to know that you're with Christ, Jesus says, I want you to love one another. Hebrews chapter 13 puts it this way. Jesus says, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. And then he says, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some people, this is so neat, they have shown hospitality to, to angels without even knowing it. Side note, isn't that cool? I mean, that's amazing. Verse 3, continue to remember those in prison, and then get this, this is our instruction, as if you, as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Notice the language here. It's so strong. He says, keep on. I don't want you to forget. Keep on. If you're doing this, if you're remembering those who typically get forgotten, if you see those who are typically unseen, keep on. Keep doing it. If you're forgetting about it, the text says, do not forget. Front and center. Do not forget them. And then notice again, it's just like it just keeps coming and coming and coming. Continue to. If you're doing this, don't stop. Keep doing it. If you're doing this, lean into it all the more. It's, and that's right where we'll find the blessing of God. Who's the person in your life that you could bless that has no way of blessing you back? Do you have anybody like that? That if you bless them, they can't bless you back. If you bless them, you get no applause for it. You get no, yeah, good job, way to go. You just get like the smile of God and you get the reality and the reminder that this is what Jesus would do. And if Jesus continues to become greater inside of me, which that's our desire, church, right? Jesus, you must, you must become greater. If he becomes greater in us, we do, it does happen. We begin to see the unseen. You know, I want to tell you about an exciting application for this message. And I think an exciting journey that I believe God has, us, has for us as a church in 2015, I was at a leadership conference that summer, and, and at one of the points in the conference, they were talking about all the different locations where this leadership conference was being held. And they began to show different pictures, like live shots of the different, uh, different locations around, around the country. And at one point, though, I, it really got my attention because they showed a couple of locations that were taking place in prisons around the country. And it showed these inmates it showed them sitting there, it showed them learning, it showed them worshiping, it showed them being inspired by the exact same content that I was watching. And I had heard of other, other churches that in a sense they even looked at it as almost like another campus, an extension of their church where they went into a place, a prison like that. And I always wondered, Lord, would this ever be something for Brookside? 
Would this ever be something where Brookside, we could gather here, but we would also know we've got a little extension of us, this group of people, that this very captive audience, and, and we could bring the gospel to them. Would that ever be something, God, you would have for us? Fast forward several, to several months ago, a friend of mine was telling me about his interest in serving down at the Douglas County Jail, DCC, the Douglas County Corrections Facility. And we got to talking, and I told him about this idea and this dream, and and that conversation led to us taking a tour down at the Douglas County Corrections Center. It's about 15 minutes from this location. It's at 17th and Leavenworth. That jail has a capacity to hold 1,400 inmates. Currently, there's 1,300 inmates in there right now. The jail's broken down into, just so you can kind of imagine what this thing looks like, the jail's broken down into 25 housing units. Now, each housing unit has anywhere from 32 to 62 inmates. So you got this you know, 1,300 inmates, then you've got 25 different housing units where these guys come together and their cells are kind of wrapped around this little central meeting area. And, you know, going down there was so helpful just to kind of see this and to, to begin to understand what this looks like. And here's the thing that I found so true. And if you've ever visited down there, if you've walked through that place, either as a visitor or maybe even as a resident, you know this, the jail is desperate for hope. It's desperate for hope. On my first trip down to the jail, down to DCC, God really got my attention. We were being shown through the jail on a tour, and the chaplain at one point, he, he stopped us outside this group of prison cells. And you could see in, and we, they could see us, and there were all the inmates in there, and we were standing on the outside, and, and it was actually kind of awkward. And as he was talking and explaining different things about the jail and whatnot, there was one guy, he was an older guy, and he just made eye contact with me. And he just kept looking at me, kept staring at me. It was actually very uncomfortable. And honestly, I didn't know how to respond to him. And so I looked back at him, and this guy's looking tough. He's an older man, his weathered face. And I didn't know what else to do. And so I just looked at him, and here I am in my, you know, collared shirt, blah, blah, blah. And I looked back at him, and I just smiled, and I just waved. It was so awkward. And in that moment, this guy with this weathered face, gruff-looking tough dude, he looked at me, and his face turned to a smile, and he waved back. And in that moment, it was as if God said to me, Jeff, these guys aren't as different from you as you might think. They just have a soul like you, and they need some hope. They need to know that they're seen, that... They need to know that there's a God in heaven that loves them. They need to know that. They need to be reminded of that. And it was one of those nudges from God, and we talk a lot about those as a church, that when God nudges you, you don't want to ignore that. You want to lean into that and say, okay, God, do we need to press in here or do we need to back off? And so that visit led to a lot of prayer and another tour with another group and then another tour with our elder board. And the other night I was putting Easton to bed. He's our youngest. He's eight years old. And now, I was putting him to bed that night, and I told him about what we were doing down at the jail, what we're trying to do, and what we're exploring, and what we hope to accomplish. And, and I said to him, I said, hey, would you pray for me tomorrow morning? I said, because we're going to take another group down to the jail. And he looked at me kind of funny, as if, isn't that the place you're trying to keep me out of, Dad? You know, like, you talk about that a lot. And then he said to me, he said, are you scared? And I said, no, not, not really scared. I've been out there a few times. And he said, well, will you take some pictures for me? Really interested. But then he asked me a very important question. He said, he said, Dad, when they get out, what if some of the prisoners start coming to Brookside? And he looked at me kind of like, you ready to lead that? You know, it's funny how an eight-year-old can, wow, 
good questions, you know? And it was a great question. It was a question, honestly, that was so sincere, so real, so filled with fear, the whole thing. And, and I said to him, it was a great opportunity just to really talk about the gospel to him. I said, well, Easton, imagine if that happened. I said, that would be the most beautiful thing that could possibly happen. Because you would have then a group of people that heard the gospel, like they heard about Jesus Christ, like all of you get to. And they heard about the gospel, and then their hearts were transformed, and then they became a part of us, a group of people that had been freed from our own bondages called sin and shame and all the other things that God frees us from. And I know some of you, and you know me, and you know that our lives are not perfect. And I said, it would just be such a great thing if that would happen, actually. And, and I'll just be honest with you. He looked at me like, I'm not buying it, you know, but I trust he'll, he'll come along the journey. Anyway, let me ask you this question. Do you remember this guy right here? Do you remember Myron Pierce? He spoke here several months ago. He's a friend of mine. He's a friend of Brookside. Myron spent time behind bars at the Douglas County Corrections Facility. And he said to me this week on the phone, he said, you know what? He said, you know how when you're 12 or 13 and you hit that growth spurt and all of a sudden, man, everything changes, and, but you, you grow a whole lot. He said, he said, when I was behind bars, I had just met Christ. He said, that was the time in my life when God grew me the most. He said, Chaplain Jackson poured into my life. He gave me leadership responsibilities. He said, before I knew it, I was leading this group of inmates in, in, in worship. And, and, and if you know anything about Myron, he's leading a church in our city that is doing great things for God. And I just wonder, Brookside, of those 1,300 inmates that are only 15 minutes away from our church, I just wonder who's the next Myron Pierce. I just wonder who's sitting behind bars this morning that if they heard the gospel, that if they were seen, what could God do through that? How could God break the bondage that is gripping their very soul if the gospel of Jesus Christ was delivered to them? And the last thing I said to Myron on the phone was this. I said, do you think it's actually even wise for us to go down to DCC? I said, I'm about to deliver this message. We sense that the Lord's leading us in this way. Do you think it's even wise? And he said, you know what, when I read passages, and we talked about some of the ones that we've looked at this morning, he says, I don't think we can take them as simply suggestions. They just don't read that way. He said, they seem more like instructions. They seem more like responsibility. And then the last thing he said to me before we hung up, he said this. He said, you know, you just never know who God might reach if you're just faithful with the gospel. What a great word. Brooke said, I want you to imagine that you're here on a Sunday morning. And one of our teaching pastors or myself is up here and, and we start the message like I started it this morning and, and I say to you, hey, good morning, Brookside, it's great to see you. If you're a guest here this morning, we're so glad that you're here. And then I look right at the camera and I say, and we also this morning as Brookside Church, we want to welcome our friends down at the Douglas County Correction Center. And then maybe even you, church, you would like respond and you would clap. And you know what they would know? They would know that they're seen. Uh, they would know that they're actually a part of a group of people that surely doesn't have it all figured out, but they would feel as though they were a part of a group of people that are discovering what does it mean to follow Jesus Christ? What does it mean if Jesus became greater? A group of people that were actually not that different. We're wondering if God might raise up right in our midst a group of people, really 12 to 15 that would say, you know what, on a rotating basis, I would, I would love to learn more about this. I will, and, and what we're wondering is this, would God lead us as a church to adopt one of these 25 housing units? That when we look at housing unit number whatever, we would say, that's Brookside. We got that one. 
We're not only caring for those inmates, but we're getting to know their families now too. All sorts of opportunities. Beyond that, there's three to 400 uh, guards and, and all the staff down there. I mean, it's an awesome opportunity to say, we want to live for the city. We want to be a church that we're continually asking, Lord, what's next? Lord, we have, this church has so much capacity. We believe in you so deeply as a church. But we're saying, God, what's next? Lord, how do we continue to be a blessing? And so my ask of you this morning is very simple. Would you just pray about this? Every day down there between 2.30 and 3 o'clock, there's a shift change. And so these inmates have the opportunity to attend a service. And so what we would do then is this. We would, we would play a portion of our Sunday morning uh, teaching or maybe all of it. And, and then we would lead them in some discussion and we would listen to them. And you'd pray for them. But more than anything, you'd just build a relationship with them. You'd let them know, hey, I, I see you today. But even more important than me, there's a God in heaven who loves you. He knows who you are. And he sees you today. And we're just wondering if God might raise up those people within our church. And so I'm just going to simply ask you this morning, would you pray about this? For us as a church, would you pray, Lord, is this the right thing for Brookside? It seems like this is the right thing. It does seem like we're sensing that, that it's the right time actually as well. This is the last thing I want to say about this. If God would nudge you in this this morning, if as you hear about that, you go, wow, I, maybe even for you, you've never served in the church anywhere. I just wonder if this might be the thing that you'd say, that was the most meaningful thing I could have done with my life. And so if you have interest in this, just interest, just send us an email. That's what you need to do this morning. Send us an email at jailinfo at brookside.net and just say, want to learn more. And we'll send you some more information. And we're just going to see what God does, right? Because again, when God gives us a nudge, church, no matter what this, whether it's for our church leadership or whether it's for you at work or whether, you know, it's for you as a, in the family or you being single, whatever it is, when he nudges, we just want to listen, press in and go, okay, yes or no, yes or no, and just take another step and just keep going. So if that's an interest to you this morning, um, I would just lay that out before you. Let's see what God might do. Imagine, though, the gospel going to a group of people who have maybe a hard time being able to hear it. Wouldn't that be incredible if we could bring the gospel like that? Okay, this is how I want to close this morning. I want to close with this question. If Jesus were me, who would you want me to see? Jesus, if you were me, who would you want me to see? Ask that question. Think about your family this morning, your extended family. Think about that person at work. Think about that student. Think about that neighbor. Lord, if you were me, Jesus, if you were me, who would you want me to see? And let's pray this morning and let's say, hey, front and center, when we get to the end of 2018, we for sure want to look back over these last four months and go, I began to see the people that Jesus wanted me to see. So yeah, let's pray together. Lord, I first pray for the person this morning that just needed the reminder that you see them. Lord, I pray for the person this morning that just needed the reminder that you see the unseen. I pray for the person that's here this morning and they're going, Lord, I, I feel distant from you and I wonder who you are. Lord, I pray that this morning more than anything else, they hear from you, I see you. I know you. I meet you in your place, whether it's a good place or a hard place. And Lord, we pray this morning that we would see who you want us to see. Lord, if you were us, who would you notice? And Lord, help us be the kind of people that as we go through our day, and even as a church, we would say, Lord, our goal is to do the most good that we possibly can with our one and only lives for the sake of our great God, Jesus Christ. 
And so, Lord, that's our prayer this morning. Lead us this week, we pray. Lord, if you were us, if you were me, Lord, who would you want me to see? Who would you want me to notice? We pray this in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Hey, let's stand together and we'll worship. Thank you.